It takes a big village to run the fashion industry. Everybody doesn't have the same career. Some people are huge supermodels and some people are struggling makeup artists. Today's story is about a very, very good friend of mine from a long time ago. I miss her still to this day, but I think of the great times we shared in Paris and Milan and even in New York and L.A. Noreen Kidd was not the biggest supermodel. She wasn't a face that you'd necessarily have seen, although she did have a great brute commercial that was incredible back in back in the day in the 80s, but she found her fame and she found her fortune. It was interesting. Some find it in their own careers. Often big Hollywood actors love to take a beautiful model and marry them and have them stay at home, take care of the kids. Well, that was never the life that Noreen really got. Sometimes you have a wish, you have a dream, you have an idea, but life has a whole nother plan, especially when your partner in life has a whole nother plan. I think you're going to find this story about Noreen Kidd and her husband, William Shatner. Very, very interesting. Thank God for fashion. I think there's so much crime in fashion because people are drawn to fashion. I got into the business of fashion to tell stories. Flashes all around. Top model Gia got it all, all at once. At the end of the day, it's the comeuppance. The runway catway's mine. We have very eclectic personalities. I'm here with Philip Blosh. My fabulous co-host, Pat Cleveland. Biggest crime in fashion has been the death of Versace. Shortly before 9 a.m., fashion designer Gianni Versace was shot on the steps of his villa. And now I get to tell the stories of people I love in fashion. When people are caught and they have to pay for their crimes. Body found yesterday in the Seine River in Paris. How did she die? Katusha Neon. Sylvie Cachet was on top of the world. Her body found in an overflowing bathtub. You're listening to True Crime, Fashion and Passion with your host, Philip Block. Hey, I'm Philip Block, and this is True Crime fashion, and passion. Today, we're going to talk about a story where alcohol and ego lead to murder in the fashion industry. And with me is my beautiful, gorgeous, and incredibly intelligent co-host, the legendary, iconic <laughs> Carol Alt. Wow, what an intro. What an intro. What live an up intro. to it now. <laughs> I got to live up to it now. So, Philip, you handed me this story on Irene, and I know Irene was actually a friend of yours. So, nobody knows this story inside and out like you do. Yeah. Tell me about this lovely lady. Well, Irene and I share a birthday. She was born on July 13th, 1959. She's older than me. <laughs> Not by much. Wait, um, that makes me older than you too then. Yeah, uh-oh, yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> by a hair. <laughs> the one hair I have left on my head. <laughs> Her parents were June and William Kidd Sr. She was the second of five siblings, and she was very close with her brothers. She was a firecracker. Noreen was one of those people... She was beautiful. She was pretty. She looked like a Texas girl, really, but she was a Boston girl. Well, born in Florida and then moved yes, to exactly, New England, right? Exactly. She looks a little like a Florida girl, but she always looked like a Texas girl to me. And um, But she moved to Boston, and she had a really thick New England accent, which I grew up in Framingham also. So we immediately bonded over that when we met, and that we had the same birthday. And ironically, as fate and synchronicity has it, and this story has a lot of fate and synchronicity, we, we met 
about a week before our birthdays in Milan in uh, the early 80s. Anyway, let's let's talk a little more about her personality, her life. She was a firecracker. Well, I she heard really she was very bold, yes. She was bold. She she didn't really know the business. And some people come into the business a little shy. A little naive. A little naive. And some people come in bold and like, I'm going to take this business by storm. And I'm hot shit. And Noreen was one of those girls. She was hot shit. You know? Right. She wanted to be famous. She and was, was one of those that came in and wanted to be famous, wanted to be a model, wanted to be an actress. She wanted to do this. And you know something? It's really interesting how that works out. Not always the way you think. Not always the way you think. She didn't have the biggest career. She didn't have Vogue covers. I don't think she even ever had a cover. She did catalogs. But there were also different kinds of models. So let's just let's just be clear here. Yeah. There were girls that were showroom models. Yes, that they absolutely. Were only fitted on 7th Avenue in showrooms. And then yeah. the girls that did that did all kinds of catalog. Then there, they were kind of like a sidestep. There were girls who did lingerie stuff. Yes. I remember when I did Hanes, my father went ballistic because <laughs> he was like, you know, this is lingerie. That's like the lower end of the modeling industry. But, you know, by that point, I was doing Hanes with Michael Jordan, so it was a little different. Yes, exactly. But there were different kinds of models, different echelons of models, different pay for different jobs. So it was a very diverse and interesting industry that Nareen stepped into. And, and very different levels of success. What was successful for some wasn't successful for others. That's very true. So Nareen left seventeen, left Boston at 17, and she came to New York City. She worked a little bit. I think she was with Ford at the time. And then, like many people in the 80s especially, and, and I, I, I think they still do it now, you get sent to Europe because you're not going to work in America if you don't have a good book and you're not quite you know, the star quality. Right, because over in Europe, they had lower, you know, different levels of girls. And so you could get tear sheets. And the tear sheets were the bread and butter of our industry because you needed tear sheets to show other clients what you look like in print, as if they couldn't look at you and say, hey. Well, you you (laughs) might even understand that the craziest part of the business was, as as a guy and girls, I'm sure it was similar, if you didn't have a picture of as in a tuxedo with a girl looking like a bride, you didn't get the, the bridal catalogs. You had, I mean, I'm sure you needed to have a picture in a white bridal gown. They could see you in all the Oscar de la Renta couture. All right, you want to hear the best ever story? Yes, I absolutely. W- <laughs> I went and did the collections my first year, and uh, they were in Italy, and I had the cover of Harper's Bazaar Italia, and I had 92 pages inside. So, of course, I tore out all the tear sheets. I was like, so excited, brought my book to my first go-see at Colorworks. And I hand my book to the girl, and I'm standing there, my chest pumped out, you know, <laughs> big smile on my face. And she's like, chewing gum. Yeah, okay, so like you look good in European makeup, but what do you look like in American makeup? I was like, there's no difference. I'm like, no makeup in that picture. I have no makeup in that picture. Like, what are you talking? You have to laugh. If you're not with a little kid, you can't be a father. It's just the crazy thing. You have to laugh at these things. Otherwise, as we see in this case, it could drive you crazy. And I think this leads to a lot of things. Like you're lying about your height. You're lying about your age a lot of times, I think. People talk about the insecurity. People think that you go into the business to be validated, and I think so many people are not validated. Oh, yeah, and for I sure think, not. And, and I think a lot of people go into the business because they're hurt. This is, this is a really deep part of the subject here, and I think with Noreen particularly. Okay. you Whatever your tragedies that you bring from your childhood, the joys and the tragedies that make you this person that want to get into the business, and then the business kind of knocks you down. You're not tall enough. You're not pretty enough. Your boobs aren't big enough. Your ass is too big. <laughs> you know, no. all those different things. And then that's – and you're also – 
coming from whatever childhood things you do. And that's where the alcohol, the drugs, the wild sex. I wish I had had more of that. But um, <laughs> I had enough ever. of the drugs and, and liquor to make up for the wild sex. And, and I think a lot of times these things end up leading to alcohol, which is a big, big part of this story on, on several levels. I met Noreen in, in Milan about a week before our birthday in the in the early 80s. And we just got along right off the bat. We were both kind of those like hood kids from New England, sort of. And, you know, I lived in Framingham, Massachusetts till I was in the third grade. And then I moved to Long Island. So I get a little bit of both. And Noreen and I would go to, we'd meet in between castings. You know, you have those friends that you yes. like go to their casting. You Even if you had nothing to do with each other. Let's go grab a coffee in between while you got nothing to do because you're in the city with, you know, two hours between casting yeah. calls and no other job and no family <laughs> and no place to go sit. So meet me and we'll have a coffee or a soda. And in yep. those days, there was no iPad and there nope. was no cell phone. Like you had to entertain yourself and, yep. and everybody spoke a different language than you other than the models. And I always tried to find the models that were fun and cool and you know I like the edgy girls I like the the cool I hated the guys I didn't want to, a bunch of grown guys standing around talking about should I get my hair cut you know I had it shorter and the, like is the most uninteresting thing in the world to me and they didn't oh, believe even, me I fought many a male model off my makeup <laughs> that's my hairbrush exactly that's my powder you know so on uh, uh, so we decided to go to Paris for our birthday uh, and we and my best friend Peter was up up in Paris, who we actually interview, interviewed with Pat. So you, people will hear more of his story, Peter Esterson. Stay tuned to our podcast because you're going to want to hear more of that story another day. And um, we we went up to Paris, and we oh my god, this is such a crazy story. I knew this guy Nadine. He was this rich Arab at the time, and he had he was gay, which wasn't common in the Arab world, and especially in the rich. Arab world, man Arab world, which you girls had lots of those. We had lesser of those. So we went up to Nadim and I wasn't his type because he liked chicken, as they called it in the in the 80s. That's like when someone's really young, they like the young boys. Not, well, I didn't even know what age he liked, but, and he liked um, the Malaysian kids and whatever. It was so funny. So we go to Nadim and we go to his hotel and we're hanging out with Nadim. And he's like, he took us out to dinner. We went to this really fabulous, fancy restaurant in Paris. And it was just amazing. You know, like the thing, like two kids from Boston and Long Island, you know, living this life. And we're like, oh, let's go out to the club. We want to go to the club. And Nadine's like, oh, no, I'm going to stay home because, you know, I'm in the import and export business. I import the little chickens and then I export them when I'm done. <laughs> he was talking about the boys. We, we, yeah, we figured that one. <laughs> so and Nadine was about 300 pounds. Let me be involved. Oh, Let me okay. just be clear. He was not one of those handsome, swarthy. Uh, that was what I was picturing. But, <laughs> you know, the thing is, that, you know, telling me these stories about Nadine, what I'm seeing is, is she had a vast experience around the world. She had some really good experiences in the modeling industry. Oh That's not always the case that some girls don't always have a good experience, but she seemed to have good friends, a good experience. Absolutely. Well, I was a good friend. And so we leave Nadine's that night of our birthday, and he gives us some money to go have some fun as only rich Arabs and rich people do to beautiful young models who don't have a lot because people think all models are rich, rich and yeah. successful and you're you know, the agency's taking half our money and the, especially in those days. You have to pay days. for your hotels. You have to pay oh for my all gosh, your travel. Yeah. And so Nadine hands us like $3,000. It was all in French francs, but it was like $3,000 and that was in 
Paris in the early 80s. That which was is a lot. Like $10,000 now. Today, yeah. Go have some champagne, have fun. We got in the elevator and she's like, did he give you money? I'm like, yeah, he gave me money. And, and I take it out and we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Okay, so did you drink it up or did you use it to pay your rent? Oh, we drank a lot of it up. And then we went shopping and then we used it to pay the rent. We, You know, I'm that guy. I, I split it three ways. Okay. I split it in half and then I split it three ways. So do you ways. think her drinking started then? You know, it's really interesting. I didn't think of her as a drinker and I, I had a drug problem at the time. So, And she was actually very supportive of that and uh, she tolerated it, which is maybe not the supportive thing to do, but she did. She drank, but I, I never would have thought of her as an alcoholic in that time. So she, you know, we separated at that point. I stayed in Europe. She came back to America. She ended up dating Rick Edwards, who was like a huge oh, male Captain model. Oh, Captain America. Yes. He was a huge male model at the time. And um, she worked in New York for a little bit. And by 1985, she headed to she headed to um LA. She decided, okay, maybe modeling is not, not the it. thing. Yeah, exactly. Maybe and I'm an actress at heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that was, you know, something that she had to deal with. I think that coming to the conclusion, all right, this may not be the place for me. This may not be my thing. She ended up moving to LA in one of her first jobs. So I think she felt like she'd made it. She got a Brute commercial. And, and so so Noreen went on, she did Brute, and then she actually she got, got a, a movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. In 1990, it took her five years. Though. So, you know, that road wasn't so quick. Right. But um, she ended up doing a movie. It was called Artificial Paradise. So why did she play in Artificial Paradise? I don't know. You know, that's one of those movies I think nobody saw. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both had Listen, a few of those. I have a couple of those as I mean, well. I have a couple of those. That like, I'm very happy that nobody saw. Oh, I have the I have cult films that come on at three in the exactly, morning. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't think Noreen's movie was, was that. But in 1994, she met... Captain Kirk, William Shatner. On a Kung Fu movie. I know, well, Kung Fu, the legend. I mean, I didn't remember William Shatner being in a Kung Fu movie. I think this was actually the series. He did a guest spot in the series. So Shatner has a very interesting life. Very interesting life. So we should should talk about him a little bit because this is around where they get joined in 1994. And remember that date because it's going to show something else after. Shatner was born March 22nd, 1931 in Montreal. He started his career in radio programs in the broad Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. So wait, that child. makes him almost 90 now. <laughs> he was with Moses. He was modeling with Moses. He looks pretty dang good for 91. Well, yeah. Yeah, he does. Well, he's had he's had quite a life. And he started as a child. He was a little kid when he was doing radio shows. I, they probably I mean, a child actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah Everybody was... starts as a child, but he started yeah. as a child actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was born Captain Kirk. He was born well, Captain. that's another really interesting thing, too, is the show only ran three episodes, three seasons. Three seasons. Which yeah. was about 60 episodes, which now a show is like eight, maybe 10. So but in the middle there, there were 22. So when he was shooting Star Trek, there was 22 episodes episodes per season. Yeah, it's crazy. And by the way, produced by Desi Lu. Did they do? Yes, I Love Lucy. Can you imagine? Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz were the producers of Star Trek. They saw... They saw the possibilities of Star Trek. They must be make. They must have been making. Those kids are still making money. Lucy and, and oh, yeah. Desi Jr. are making money off of it. That's fascinating. I didn't even know that. Yes. Trivia. that's a great one. Well, so interestingly enough, so in nineteen, uh, so in 1956, William Shatner married his first wife, Gloria Rand, and it's very. Here comes the next part. They had three kids together. I, I I'm a I'm a I'm a fanatic for dates and statistics because I know you like this too. You yeah. like to put it all together. What is the synchronicity here? His daughter Leslie was born June fifth, nineteen sixty one. 
I'm, I'm sorry. His daughter Leslie was born June August 31st, 1958, one year before Noreen. Noreen. One year before Noreen. Two years is, before me. <laughs> That's how I have to put it. I have to see it in comparison to me. And Elizabeth, his daughter, was born June 5th, 1961, two years after Noreen. And Melanie, born August 4th, 1964, was four years after Noreen. So that's always a weird yeah. dynamic. But yes. we'll get to that in a minute. Yes. Shatner, um, Shatner lived in a truck at a certain point after Star Trek went off Right, the he air. tricked out his truck to have a toilet and a, and a kitchen. Yeah, and um, right around that time, his wife left him. When the series was over, she didn't like all the fame. She wanted to just have a more simple life, and she... Well, all she had to do is wait a minute, because he went from super famous to living in his truck. Which is so crazy, because Craziness. they... Craziness. But that's were... the business, isn't it? It's up and down, and you have to be able to take that roller coaster ride. And you know, Gloria and the three girls were living in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills. He was living in a truck, and they were living in Beverly Hills. And it's it's interesting. He he, I, he I thought, didn't get another job really, like a solid job, until T.J. Hooker sometime in the late eighties, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So well, that's like almost ten or twelve years of struggling to get work. So in 1973, he met Marcy Lafferty four years after his divorce, and then he he worked and she worked as an actress also, which that's always difficult. That's always difficult. Have uh, both people with egos and careers, but and they, no paychecks, and no pay, both of them on unemployment at the same time. She she did Star Trek, one of the movies with him, and by this point, she he did the TV show T.J. Hooker. But another interesting thing: so in 1984, when he was on the set of T.J. Hooker, this guy Peter Sloan comes along. Yeah, so probably after he married Marcy. There wasn't a lot going on there from 73 to 80s. Right. Like there was still some lean years there. Then Peter Sloan comes along and he says that he's William Shatner's son. Isn't that the so out of nowhere? Apparently, he, you know, Peter, this guy, Peter Sloan, his mother had abandoned him five days after he was born. She gave him up for adoption. He got adopted, had a great life, and he went backwards and met his his parents um, that adopted him, allowed him to meet his real mother. And she said, your father is either William Shatner or some, some guy, guy named, named Chick. Chick. <laughs> Chick from Canada. Which, okay. If I'm him, I'm going for William Shatner. Me too. He actually went to the set in 1984 and met William Shatner. And met William Shatner said, oh, I remember her. You know, yes, maybe you are my son. But then within a few days, suddenly one of Shatner's managers called and said, you know, leave him alone. You're not his kid. Like, back off. You know, we're no not getting DNA involved back in this. then, huh? Yeah, well, but yeah, in that time there wasn't really DNA. There wasn't there wasn't as much confirmation that you could get to find out you're the father. <laughs> there yeah. was no Maury. <laughs> there was no Maury show in that time. But I'm sure William Shatner would have appeared on that because at that point he would have just been glad to have a check. So interestingly enough, they it, this all got resolved. Basically, it turns out that he wasn't his kid, but for 30 years of his life. He all thought for, he was William Shatner. And he son. kept coming up and showing up, and he sued William Shatner for millions of dollars at one point. And that's when the DNA test had come into play. And so Shatner got a DNA test. This was this all happened after Noreen, but it, 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 very interesting how he has these weird karmic things in his life, yeah. William Shatner. And I'm going to get more into that. He's as such we a roller coaster life. Well, he's got such an ego. He really... So that's the ego part of this that's story. That's the ego part of this story. It's I so think... amazing that he has such an ego because it seems like he had such difficulties and such things to overcome. But then you have to think he'd have to have some kind of ego to stay in the business and stick with it and to overcome the things that he's overcome. To be a survivor. And have you ever listened to his spoken word albums? Pretty pompous. Pretty pompous. <laughs> Pretty pompous. I, I, I never listened. He I have speaks to... in spoken word like 
Uh, what can you say? I, 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 you know, I got my own opinion about that. I'm just sort of like, really? Like, do you have to put out a record? Does anybody really need to listen to you? Like, if you're a poetess or a poet and you're in the coffee shop vibe and you're snapping your fingers and, you know, I mean, I get it. I felt like, again, he felt like he needed an album. And he speaks like he's like from some Elizabethan It's so play. funny you look at it that way. I'm looking at it that this guy did anything he could to make a paycheck to pay for his kids and his lifestyle. By and- that point, by the time he was doing his spoken word, he had plenty of money. He, oh. was, he was a big star. All right, well, he let's, started let's, doing that. Let's get yeah, to that. Exactly. That. <laughs> okay. After 23 years in 1996, he divorced Marcy Lafferty. So if we do the math, let's go backwards to 1994 1994. when he met Met Noreen. Noreen. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So I didn't find much on that, but I can do the math. And within a year of his divorce from Marcy, he married Noreen. How about that? That is interesting. I didn't didn't make that that mathematical connection. I I did that. I have that written on my notes here. Yeah. I I, I thought that was really... Noreen and I never actually talked about that. So that's one of those things. I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known. You know, I mean... I'm starting to see things in Noreen that I could understand why she was led to drink. (laughs) <laughs> yes, absolutely. If you meet a guy who's married and you know you don't yeah. know if he's going to get divorced and you're kind of on the side and your career is up and down and you come from the excitement of Europe and then you sit in Los Angeles waiting for you know the one job she got or the two jobs she got in the 15 years before she met William Shatner, it, it's a really hard industry when you're sitting around watching what everybody else is doing and you're and you're praying for something to break for you. Absolutely. And the fame. This was a really big thing. She wasn't just sitting around waiting for some guy to leave his wife. No. She was waiting for Captain Kirk. Yeah. It was that fame that she wanted. And her it family- It was in grasp. It was in grasp. And she was surrounded by greatness that she actually- couldn't really achieve. She had that moment with her brute commercial was probably, I think, the biggest thing in her career, really, besides the movie that nobody really got to see. But I think that that that, that part of her family, like her brothers and her sisters, they couldn't believe she was dating Captain Kirk. You know, yeah. let's face it. You like, get notoriety from that. Yes. And that's what causes so much of, I think, what we see in the industry, the hangers on. You know, it's not that she was a hanger on and he loved no, her. No, she had her own career. Absolutely. Well, here's another interesting part to that story. So before they got married, Noreen's father was not having it because he was the same age as Shatner. Right, of course. And so no father wants that. She's the same age as his daughter. And he's the same age as his daughter. So everybody's sitting there going like, the math here, wait, <laughs> the the age of the daughters, the age of the father, leaving yeah. the wife. Like, there's a lot of crooked what math gives? here. There's yeah. a lot of crooked math. And so William Shatner, as I seem to find over time, seems to um, love to put everybody else's stories out there. So he's one of those people that is sort of a victim as he goes through his life. But right before the wedding, um, Leonard Nimoy, Spock, who was very disillusioned with the business, according to Mr. Shatner, and who was a raging alcoholic on the set of Star Trek, according to Mr. Shatner, and that Leonard Nimoy would fill his coffee cups with liquor on the set because he was so miserable with his fame, according to Mr. Shatner. Oh, by the way, Leonard Nimoy was, Mr. suppose I'm doing quote signs, <laughs> Mr. Shatner's best friend. So always nice when your best friend tells your tea. You know, I, 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 I know this ends up becoming public information in other ways, and Leonard Nimoy told it, but sometimes do you really want everybody else telling your story? I mean, that's an interesting thing in the business is the gossip. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, he had this advice about not to marry Noreen, and he said, But I love Noreen. I can help her. And supposedly, Noreen called him and begged him to marry her, even though this this drinking problem was manifesting was and everybody, everybody knew going into this relationship. But Shatner felt that his love could save Noreen. That's a quote from Shatner. In 1999, though, after, after, the wedding. Well, way after the wedding, but after Noreen's death, which is what we're going to get to. So as as the relationship went on, the, the drinking just continued and continued. You know, there were the stories of Noreen hiding bottles of liquor throughout the house. So sometime right around her death, about two weeks before her death, I get a phone call from Noreen. And she sees me on TV because by that point, I'm pretty known and I'm on TV all the time. Pretty she, known. You were very known. <laughs> she looks up my agency, which was Cloutier, the Cloutier Styling Agency in LA. She calls and she leaves a message and she says, this is Noreen Kid. I don't know if Philip's going to remember me oh or not, gosh. but we were models together in Milan and I'm in LA and tell him to call me. Noreen found me. I called her up. We... We got on the phone. We spoke about two times in that period, and we laughed. The first conversation was really pretty positive. We laughed, and we said, oh, let's get together, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, my schedule's so busy. I'm leaving for New York in a couple days, and I'll be back in about two weeks, and let's get together then. Okay. Then I got another call from her like a day later and before I left. It looked and a little dark. I could see your face clouding up. Yeah. It was a darker call. It was a much darker call. So the second call, Noreen says these things that stick out to me. She says, you know, I, she said, you know, I've been married to, to William Shatner for a while and it's just really not going good. You know, he's trying to kill me. She literally said she this. believed that she believed that he was trying to kill her. She said, he's given me these pills and they make me sick. Later on, I read. So as I'm doing my research, I read I read a quote from William Shatner. Wait, I, I want to find my notes here because this is why this stuff is really important. And um. He talks about that Noreen took pills and he said Noreen would take pills and, and then she switched the pills out and took another pill because she said it made her sick. Oh, these were the al these are the pills that if you drink alcohol, they're supposed to make you sick yes. so that you don't want to drink alcohol. Yes. So he was Absolutely. stating that he was trying to help her get off alcohol yes. by giving her these pills. And she you felt saw it as he's giving these pills that are making me sick. Yeah. Now, as we know with alcoholics, there's, two sides, there's to every story. two sides to every story. And one of them is usually very blurry because they're an alcoholic. So I take a lot of what Noreen said with a grain of salt. Again, I didn't realize she was an alcoholic at this point. I, I didn't know any of that part. You know, I'm, right, as so she's telling she me the story. Pills? Why is he giving as, Well, them? she's yeah, telling me the story. And then she says... He keeps putting me in, he keeps putting, he keeps trying to get me locked up and he keeps trying to put me in, in rehab facilities because he's having these women come over and he wants to have sex with, with other women and, and he's doing drugs and he's, and he's pushing this forward and I, I just don't want this life. I'm, I'm, I want to leave him. And my psychiatrist even tells me I need to leave him. He's not good for me. But how much was this alcoholic hallucination? Well, this is the interesting part. When you read the interviews from William Shatner afterwards, the crazy thing about this is she brought up these five points to me and I literally found all of them in interviews. He literally, it's as if he knew what she told me in the conversation, which he had no way of knowing. And why would he even, he probably didn't even know I exist, probably still doesn't. And that he literally 
touched on the things she told she told me. So she spoke about those pills. She said, and he's having these women come over and he's he's wanting to have group sex with them. He's wanting to have orgies. And well, you know, she used all and the words. I can't <laughs> believe William Shatner got in the news and said, yeah, she's right about that. <laughs> so William Shatner said, what he Noreen was... Her Noreen's alcoholism made her paranoid, and she was constantly accusing me of having affairs with other women. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then the next thing he, she said in the conversation was about her, her therapist, her psychiatrist, saying that she should leave him, that this relationship is unhealthy, it's not good for her, and she needs to get out of this relationship. Shatner does in, in the same interview where he spills all the tea on Noreen or all his version of the story, which is in his book. So, so I thought it was very fascinating. So he talked about that the psychiatrist said he needs to leave her and it should be tough love. You know, that's why in he In fact, needs to leave didn't he her. say that he left two days before she... Yeah, he actually said we're getting a divorce. And, two and, days before. Yeah, yeah, two days before. And you know, she again. That happened. That was probably about a day or two after we spoke. Probably, I, w I would imagine that might have been even right around the day we spoke. I, I just found it fascinating that the things she brought up were things that he brought up, but he ends up being the victim in it, and she's the bad one in it. And he was just trying to save her all the time. You know, even right up to the the day they left, he. You know, and again, because when somebody's dead, you only. Yeah, you don't have with, their story. Yeah, you only have one side. It's really easy, and and I think you know as well as I do. We've seen with uh, a lot of things in the industry, revisionist history. Revisionist history is a bitch because whoever's got the most power or whoever has the biggest microphone gets to dictate. You've the seen most it with famous fashion. person gets their story out there. Nobody cares about the other guy. Really. Well, you've seen it in magazines where careers are forgotten, so to speak, because certain people don't didn't have anything to do with it, so they don't talk about that. Or it's it's revisionist history. So it's really easy for William to tell this story when he's alive and many years later after Noreen's gone and who's really going to say whether it's a lie or not. So it's it's fascinating, and I can only speak my truth, and I know the conversation I had with Noreen. Whether that I know that that's her version and he has a version and what was really going on there, I think we're all brought into the fashion industry, especially the modeling part of it, thinking that once we get discovered and we have those Vogue covers or the whatever those covers are, or those commercials, then suddenly you we're going to be validated. No, yeah, no, you got to keep it going. And and we're looking for that to save us from ourselves. And yet, really, I think the moral of all these stories ends up being that you have to save yourself, and those that don't save themselves can end up dead. Do you think that Noreen thought that by marrying William Shatner, it could also help her career, that maybe she could have an acting career or a modeling career back again because she's with a famous man? That could boost a career. Do you absolutely, think she... absolutely. Well, I think it's fascinating in the industry where we see people like Steven Spielberg marries Kate Capshaw, an actress she never really acts again after that. Tom Hanks marries Rita Wilson. We, Rita was a mom and stayed home. Look, Ben Ben Affleck and Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer Gardner gave up her career for years. Sean Penn, Robin. So you're saying Robin, you go either way. I think it's fascinating that these men want to marry these women that are powerful and are known, and they're known for being sexy and beautiful. And domesticate them. And domesticate them. They take a wild cat, meow, and then they... They domesticate him. Look at like you never see Ava anymore. You know, I mean, since she married Ryan, so that you don't, you never see her anymore. And I understand some people want to take that time off and raise a kid, but I'm fascinated with the the phenomenon of powerful men in Hollywood marrying powerful women, and then James Cameron and Susie Amys 
Oh, yeah. Susie was Susie a Amos huge well, model yeah. back in the day. Susie's and she a- was in Titanic. So for those of you who've seen absolutely, Titanic, she was absolutely. the uh, granddaughter. Exa- exactly. So he, gave, he threw a bone, which Williams that's threw. Where, no, that's where he met her. Oh, did he meet her in Titanic? Yeah. Oh, wow. The casting couch. I want her. But thats I love that part of a story. I love when when the powerful man sees, the, like, Rick Ocasek and Paulina. I love that. Like, you know, he cast her in right, his video. Right, in his video. Who's going to drive you home? I That's my dream. I'm waiting to be cast. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to find the right to run. But we digress. Guys. We digress. <laughs> anyway, so so in the... in in. In this whole story, it's fascinating that William is constantly the victim. And he, even even up to the last day, so he got up that morning, and Noreen had already had several traffic violations about her. Apparently, she was supposed to go to court that day DWIs, and never showed right? up. Yeah. yeah, DWIs. She never showed up. She was also supposed to go with William to visit his daughter. Um, William was conveniently visiting his daughter outside of town, and he actually... Um, I'm just always going to throw a little question on how this all played out. So tell know? us how it played out. So so what the facts are is William supposedly, got, according to William, he got up in the morning and he left and Noreen was so hungover and so drunk from the night before because they'd gone out to a, their favorite restaurant for dinner. And when they came ho- on the way home, Noreen wanted to stop and get this. I've had this happen. Milk and eggs. Milk and eggs. Yeah. It's like, mm, but you don't even eat eggs. What do you mean you want eggs? You never eat breakfast. And you for some reason one. she comes out a little fatter. Oh, uh, yeah. And then, well, this was interesting. On an August night, she hid it in her clothes. Well, where were you yeah, hiding? Yeah, where do you hide it? I mean, an August night in L.A., like, it's hot. Like, Well, no, it could get chilly. You know, it's desert. That, that, um, it gets chilly sometimes. The Santa Ana winds were blowing in. But anyway, she came out supposedly with a hidden bottle of alcohol. And I've we've all been down that road with our friends. And it's like, can I see your bag? <laughs> you know, I know. You know, and sometimes you've got to be in that tough love mode. But apparently he wasn't. But he saw it there. Apparently she chugged the whole bottle, and a few minutes later, she was stinking drunk by the time she came upstairs. So she was completely hungover the, that morning. William was going to visit his daughter, and he said, listen, you know, I, not just, coming. I don't want you to come with me. I don't want the kids. Well, he said the kids to see her that way, which always makes me yeah, laugh. The kid that's several years one year older One year older and one year younger than Noreen. So again, I, I, I'm going to put these doubts on there. Like, that seems like an interesting quote. I don't want you to see the kids. And it's like, well... The kid is the same age as Noreen, you know? So I, I don't know. Just saying. They um, And Noreen says, well, tell her I love her and I found God. Yeah. I just thought that was really weird. I, I thought that was just such a strange quote. Do you think quote. that was a way to say she was done? And Maybe. Maybe. You know, I, I'm a big believer that if you are somewhat intuitive and somewhat aligned, you sort of... Feel your end is coming. You don't know that your end is coming, but yeah, you have a gut. Feeling. There's something mm-hmm. that's happening that seems like it's leading you to a place of closure and finish, and con- maybe even a contentment to say, "I found God." Or again, she could have said, "Oh, well, tell her I found God." You know, it's all how you yeah, read it. Yeah, it's how <laughs> she says it that makes all the difference in what it means. And again, him telling the story years later, we just don't know. So he goes, has a lovely day with his daughter. He calls back in the afternoon. The maid answers the phone and supposedly tells him that Noreen is drunk and passed out upstairs. And um, he tells her to tell Noreen if she sobers up and gets it together, they'll go horse bright, back riding the, the next, next day. day. You know, which, you know, I think William tried to use promises. And 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 rewards 
to to help Noreen along the way. You know, he he had at one point said, you know, she supposedly wanted kids, and he said, well, if you get sober for six months, we can have kids. So apparently, William comes home and about ten something in the evening, and he uh, apparently his daughter had called at a certain point at dark around dark. And nobody answered the phone. Noreen never answered the phone. There was no answer. So interesting, there's a call log of somebody calling to check, but nobody answered. At 1023, he comes home and he, I guess, looks around the house for her. He goes out into the backyard and he sees her in at the bottom of the pool in the deep end of the pool. Oh, what an end. So this is really interesting. So this is someone who did Rescue 911. I think he was on a rescue show for years. <laughs> and one of the articles I read brought that up. He didn't go in and get the body out right away. He calls 911 and says, my wife is in the deep end of the pool. And he's very panicked. And the 911 operator says, get her out of the pool. You've got to get her out of the pool. He says, but she's in the pool. And he's arguing. And we have the 911 call. He's arguing with the 911 operator and the 911 operator saying, you have to get her out. And he's just freaking out, supposedly. And you can hear it in the call. He's pretty upset and, and distraught, but he is literally combative with the 911 person. He says, just get here, just get here, which I understand. You're freaked out. Your wife is in the deep end of the pool. Do you ever wonder what you would do in that situation? I always wonder about that because you know I'm a big true crime nut. Yeah. I watch everything. And every time I hear those calls, whether they're from somebody who's faking it or somebody who's really freaked out, I always wonder, like, how would I respond? As an actor, I also think about that. Like, how would it sound? Would I sound fake? Would it, like, you, it's like the weirdest, that's like, I think the weirdest moment of a person's life is calling 911. Well, my dad was having a stroke and he was swimming in the pool, interestingly enough, that combination. And his girlfriend called me and she's like, I'm in New York, they're in Florida. I can laugh now, but it was not funny at the time. And she calls me and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, your dad, your dad, I think he's having a heart attack or a stroke. He's in the pool and he's, and he's, and he can't, and he's struggling. He's struggling. I'm like, what are you calling me for? Call 911. And she's like, oh, oh. and she's freaking out. She's like, you call 911. I'm like, I'm in New York. You're calling me in New York. Like, I live in New York. What are you doing? Call 911. Get him out of the pool. Get him out of the pool. And she's like, I can't get him out of the pool. He's too heavy. And I'm like, scream, get somebody a neighbor. Call 911 and get a neighbor. I can't do anything here. Yeah, sometimes I think your brain just shuts down. <clears throat> so then I'm trying to call 911 from New York for for Fort Myers, Florida. That didn't work. Anyway, I I, I understand the panic of, yeah, that, of that, that, that phone call. So- Basically, she's in the deep end of the pool. They they pull her out of the pool. And this is the 90s. I just want to talk about Robert Blake and his wife being shot. And um, one of the Jackson, Tito Jackson's uh, wife died in the pool. A lot of people died in interesting ways in the 90s in Hollywood. And the powerful person was involved. But suddenly, the case cleaned up really quick. Nope, nothing wrong here. No questions here, folks. Everything's good. Somebody just died. So Noreen had, first of all, Noreen was a swimmer, very athletic girl. They had a pool. She swam all the time. Granted, alcohol and a pool do not mix. It sounds sexy, like let's have a drink and go in the pool, but let's have a lot of drinks and go in the pool is never a good combination, and that we know also. 
Um, I actually have a friend who's an alcoholic, and she knows not to go near her pool. She's really funny. She's so paranoid. But I know what you're going to say here. You're going to say that Noreen had some damage to her body. But she had bruises. If you're an and alcoholic, cuts and don't exactly. you fall down and run into things and hit your head? I mean, I've hit my head on the door of the cabinet open in my kitchen for heaven's sakes, and not even having a drink. Absolutely, I just look at it from two sides. I, I think, especially in true crime, it's so interesting because there are well, this so one particularly because it it, it seems like innocent enough, you know, she had some drinks, she maybe fell, maybe hurt herself, maybe dove into the pool because she has trauma to her neck. Well, there's you know? two broken bones in her neck and there's two different hemorrhages on, recent hemorrhages on her head on one side and the other. So how does that happen? And when you're, are you, if you've banged your head, are you diving and you're drunk? Are you diving? Or maybe into you the fell pool into that? the pool head first. I mean, but I if know, you're in the deep and how do you bang your head on two different sides and break your neck? I just find, again, I'm not saying there's anything suspicious. No, because here. he was he was not even in the area apparently. Apparently, apparently, but this'll, we don't know the exact time she died. An enduring mystery. It will always be a mystery. I'm just for my friend. Yes, for your friend. For my friend's family. Don't get emotional. Come for on. the um, legacy that she leaves behind, the story that's left behind, she never had a chance to tell her story. Her family doesn't have a chance to tell that story. The only person that's had a chance to tell that story is William Shatner. And, and now you. And now me. And I really wanted to t take the opportunity. I think it was very important for you to do that. To have people take a look at the different sides of this story. And well. And the influences, the the fashion industry, the acting, you know, the entertainment industry, what how this plays on a person, you know, well, I, I think, I think all these things are very make a very interesting story. I think it's really important to look at both characters and who this person is. You know, William Shatner, as I went on to look, he then um after Noreen's death, um, he stayed out of the limelight for a year or so. He then got married about two years later. He married an an equestrian a uh, fellow equestrian because he was a big horse All right, lover. This isn't the lady he divorced over the horse sperm. Yes. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. The I, I need I, to know more about that story. That story is just crazy. She literally divorced him because he didn't send her. So they, I guess, shared horses. Well, horses <laughs> can be very expensive. Very, and very, very, very super important. And exactly. And so they were sharing him. So this is why this was a lot of money at stake. And so he did not send her the horse's sperm in the proper way. That's, so he couldn't get it again and uh, try again? I don't understand. <laughs> Somehow they worked that Some, out. Or, or they, they didn't that, because they ended up divorced. They ended, well, yeah, that was part of the divorce. This, this, She sued him after the divorce was about the sperm. Her, her Part of her divorce settlement and the after, the repercussions, was about the horse's sperm. And I don't mean to diminish my my friend Noreen's legacy by talking about horse sperm after this, but I, I say it to just sort of... Shatner is always the victim. So in 2016, Shatner um, was diagnosed with um, cancer, which then turned out not to be cancer. And then in 2016, Leonard Nimoy, his best friend for all his life, passed away. And that was just devastating for Shatner. It was so devastating that he had to do a paid interview in like the Daily Mail or the Inquirer talking all about uh, Leonard Nimoy and how he was an alcoholic and he couldn't understand why they weren't friends anymore because uh, Leonard Nimoy wouldn't speak to him the last six months of his life. So you know you're dying of cancer. You've had a friend your entire life. I'm thinking I got to be really mad 
if I'm if I'm not going to speak to this best friend, I'm dying. I you know let bygones be bygones. Life is short. William talked about so apparently William was doing a documentary about all the captains of Star Trek, and Spock was um, <laughs> we all call him Spock. Leonard Nimoy um, was very disillusioned. He was done. He was done with that character. It just you know sometimes people in the business hate what made them famous, and you just live that for well, your whole you life. Get, you get categorized and you get put in a box, and it's hard to break that box to become the actor that you want to be. I think so many people would love to be Leonard Nimoy and play Spock, but it's true. I understand. People don't think yeah, but that. they they you know how many years can you play Spock when you're an actor who wants to stretch and do different characters in different movies. I mean, I understand him completely. I, I, I get it actor. too. I get it too. So as an actor, I also get that he was super famous as Spock and anybody wants to be, get that famous. Yes, but, it's but double, then double, it's double, it's sword. sword. I actually say the same. And interestingly enough, William Shatner, his best friend, decided to take footage that he found of him and put it in the documentary anyway. Now, William can't understand for the life of him why... Leonard Nimoy was not his friend anymore. Something tells me that may have something to do with it. Or maybe it was the part where where he had done interviews talking about Spock being an alcoholic on the set of the show. Maybe that hurts your career a little. Hurts your feelings. And sure. hurts your feelings. And and maybe it's where he talked about Leonard had Leonard had been married for a very long time and and apparently he had an open marriage. They they it depends who you listen to. If you listen to Leonard Nimoy's version of it or William Shatner's version of it, you know, and it's interesting that the things that William Shatner called his friends and his wife out about, his best friend and his wife about, were things that probably he was doing. You know, it's interesting that Noreen accused him of that and he called out Leonard Nimoy on that. Anyway, I just think there's a lot of coincidences here and. This and is, this will forever be an enduring mystery. Absolutely. We will never know, but it's always good to give a different perspective. And I think there's always two sides to every story, especially in true crime. Oh, yes. I guess we'll really never know what happened to Noreen Kid Shatner. Was it an accident? Was it murder? Did she just have too much to drink? Did she just have too much in life? How did it go so wrong? How does someone so beautiful, so vibrant, end up in the bottom of a swimming pool? How does someone with such a huge career, <laughs> someone as famous as, as William Shatner, Captain Kirk, have such an interesting life story? I mean, besides Noreen's suspicious, to say the least, death, you know, how interesting the story of, of the son that wasn't his, the cancer that wasn't cancer, and his very presumptuous friendship with with Dr. Spock. I was so sad to hear that that relationship had fallen apart. I think it's interesting when someone lets their ego run their relationships. And clearly, William Shatner is someone that's ego definitely run the show. And why not? He's been in the business for so many years. He's a huge star. He's even been to the moon and beyond. It makes me sad because Noreen was a really good friend. It makes me sad when she's not around on our birthday. It makes me sad that she never got to have kids and live the life that she wanted to live. But hopefully in telling her story, you'll all get to know and have your own opinion about what happened to my friend and my favorite model, one of my favorite models, Noreen Kidd.